Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mat podcast, hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Welcome to Beyond the Mat season two. Oh my gosh, can you believe we're here? Yes, I can't. I'm so excited. I, I know. It's been a long time coming. I feel like we took a nice long break and I'm ready. Yeah, me too. I think um, a lot has changed. Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> since think? Season, since season one and change is constant. So it's like, you know, change is inevitable. But so excited to be back for season two. Do you Emmanuel, have any hopes for season two or for yourself? I, I'm just so excited, just like you, to be back. And it's very fun. Even as I was getting ready to record this with you, I listened back to a couple episodes from season one and already I can appreciate the growth, you know, in the conversation and the dialogue. And like you said, like so much has changed and it's a very fun thing, even if no one was to listen for me to just look back and be like, oh my gosh, this is where I was. And this was what was going on in my life and the things that felt relevant and the conversation that I was having with you. So that's so valuable to me. And I'm super excited about that. I think what I hope is that we can, you know, continue to learn and challenge each other because there's not many people in the world that I appreciate a good conversation more than with you. I think we have such a good back and forth and I always leave the recordings feeling inspired or like I learned something or like I have some drive to do something more. And my hope for the season would be that we can expand a little bit and maybe reach a few more people and get some feedback and continue to grow the podcast as a a passion project. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited to be back as well. Um, And I just want to echo like what you said, there's so few people you can have, um, dialogue with where they don't get defensive and they're more open-minded and it's funny because Emmanuel and I like we candidly share these stories and I'm not going to share too much detail because it's totally something that happened locally but more recently you know Emmanuel and I send like voice memos to one another and I had somebody that was totally disagreeing with me in in like a training atmosphere um And it was in a really kind of defensive way on a concept I was talking about. And sometimes in the yoga world, I feel like that happens more oftentimes than not. Um, And I think with you and I, we kind of are just so open-minded with one another and maybe just in general that I'm always curious to see the other side of a concept. Um, Yeah. So I just love that I think we are able to do that with one another. And it um, it's always a learning experience. And I'm always like, oh, I need to go research this after or, you know, so I just want to echo that. Um, and I just love that we're, we're able to do that with one another. And like the hope for like season, like you said, is just to like expand on some some other concepts uh, of the of bringing the yoga practice to real life and um and maybe also I'm really kind of fortunate enough maybe to be a little more unfiltered because I'm not really working at a studio so that feels a little freeing I think um I think sure. we're both kind of 
pretty honest people, but it's nice to just, you know, be a little more unfiltered, but in a very appropriate, professional way. Totally. And I think that the more that we tell those stories or events or whatever in an authentic way, people can relate. You know, when we try to censor or sugarcoat whatever is actually going on, sometimes there's kind of of a disconnect where if we can have just honest conversation, people are going to be like, yes, I know exactly what they mean or I can relate in a certain way. So super excited. Um, You know, I'm thankful for our friendship and for the fact that we were both in a place where we still wanted to do that because we're physically in very (laughs) different places. And it takes a little bit more coordinating and working together to make this small production happen. And so, yeah, part of the changes. I mean, I already had moved to Miami. At yeah, the end fill us of in, last but fill us, fill us in on like where you, yeah, we know kind of you are in Miami, but fill us into like where you're at, what you're doing, if you have things coming up. Yeah, so I moved to Miami in March and I have been there for full-time-ish, meaning that pretty much every month I have had to leave, either to go to Canada or to come back to Ocean City. There's just been a lot of movement. And um, if you know me, you know that I'm okay with that. But I think that I am at a point where I'm no longer okay with it. And I really need to settle in and ground down. So this is my my personal practice for the fall is just to get comfortable here and start to establish my roots and my network and start to work on personal projects. I have been working full-time and a half at Moto Yoga Miami Beach. (laughs) I um, manage the studio there and I teach a lot of classes as well, which um, Jared and I were talking before we started recording this. And I was telling him, you know, I used to hustle when I worked in Montreal or when I traveled to teach like 20, 24 classes a week. And I don't teach quite that much right now, but I didn't think that I would have to hustle as much as I am right now. And so just a daily operation of the business plus teaching, I don't know, a minimum of 10 classes a week right now um, has been all consuming. And I did have, you know, I landed in a wonderful uh, living situation with Louie, who's a friend that I made back in 2018 when I was working here in Miami. And I knew it was going to be a temporary situation, but I didn't know it was going to be that short. So I already have moved to a different apartment since I arrived. Emmanuel moved and then she moved again. Correct. Oh my God. So when I say I need to ground down, I really mean it. And I guess that's long story short is to say in terms of like personal projects, there isn't something on the agenda for me because I've really been working at the studio for the business, but it is also something that I am trying to expand and is going to require me to sit down and and plan and explore. So hopefully as we navigate through the season and the coming year, you guys will see that come to fruition. Um, And I'll tell you how it's going. Yeah. Awesome. What about Um, you? So, yeah, um, not a lot has changed, changed, I guess. Um, I'm still in ocean city. Um, So we're still on the same ocean, right? I think that's Mm -hmm. like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we are on the same ocean. Um, I'm just still doing private practice full time. So 
like for newer listeners, I'm a full-time psychotherapist and then also a yoga teacher. Um, so I'm still doing that full-time and I just love my job so much, uh, therapy-wise. And in terms of yoga, I am reducing teaching to the public quite a bit because um, this will, um, it will be, it is October. Um, so by now I will probably be teaching just on Sundays. Um, and I'm moving more into a continuing education kind of realm. So I have a lot of stuff coming up in the fall. Um, I'm doing some yoga teacher trainings, um, some guesting at those, and then quite a bit of workshops, Katona based workshops. Um, locally, over the bridge, in Annapolis, Delaware, even Pennsylvania. So I have quite a bit going on there. Um, and then the big personal goal I am accomplishing before the new year is I will be a Katona certified teacher. Yeah. So it's been a really long process of gathering our advanced hours. So I'm really excited about just, you know, completing that. I've been enjoying the trainings so much. They have been so helpful in my own life, more so than, you know, I think every yoga teacher training is really important to us. Mm -hmm. um, but this style feels so informative and so personal. And it almost feels like therapy yoga, but not the yoga therapy because okay. it's not that. But it feels very much like they're. I'm learning all of these tools and, and navigational principles and in Taoism, and it, it's been so so powerful. Um, I can't wait, and I'm sure these concepts will come up on the podcast this year too. Because how mm -hmm. can they not if it's what we're living? Exactly. So that's yeah, that's like where I'm at right now. That's awesome. And so we thought that as a way to bring real life and yoga together, because the podcast is called Beyond the Mat, and what we try to do is somewhat bridge the gap between the vastness of yoga. I think that the more that I work in the field, the more I realize that I know nothing. And it's just such a humbling practice. But in the things that we do know um, and that we explore and that interest us, we try to kind of bridge that gap between some of these concepts that may feel boring or harder to harness and bring them into like real life and how we can use them to benefit ourselves and, and live a better, fuller life. And so what is something about yoga, like a concept or an idea from the practice that relates to where you're at in your life right now? So yeah, I went back and forth with a lot of this, like what I wanted to share, because we were like, you know, let's do like a concept that's personally resonating with us. Um, and I went between two things, but I'm going to just kind of go with the one because the other one may come up later. But it became this idea of embodied practices versus disembodied practices. And it was really for people like to think, what do you mean by that? So the idea is like in a yoga class, what I used to think was, and Emmanuel can tell me her her also experience, I used to go to yoga to quote unquote disconnect. I used to go to yoga to check out, to like, uh, you know, deal with my stress in a way where I didn't have to think about anything. 
Um, and I did that for several years because I guess I've been practicing for about 14 years now and, you know, teaching for a decade. So I did that for a really long time. And that to me is okay. And we can talk more about that, but that is kind of labeled a disembodied practice because you're checking out from yourself, which sometimes is necessary but personally, I don't think yoga is the place for it where I'm at now. So where I've moved to is an embodied practice. So an embodied yoga practice for me is one where I'm aware the entire time in the class. I'm feeling sensation in my body. I'm able to recognize my thoughts. I'm able to have dialogue with myself about what's going on. Um, and I'm able to gather insight about not just my my practice physically, but also about my habits and patterns outside of yoga. So I've moved from this kind of what I'm labeling a disembodied practice into a very embodied practice. And that's also been evident in my teaching. So I've shifted from very flared up, I'm still fun, I promise, but a very flared up kind of pop music, like fast paced movement class to a really intentional practice where the yogis have to listen for the movements because they're not so, so fluid that and repeated that they can kind of disembody out of them and just kind of capitalizing more on, on inner dialogue. And then that's even transcended into my music where I'm using a lot of non-lyrical stuff now with some Taylor Swift, with some... Of course. You know, my, yes. I mean, how could I not? But I, I'm, I'm really trying to cultivate an embodied experience for people um, and I've even drawn away from having these like heavy themes and dharmas into more practical messages of have like, um, how do you mediate your life? How do you mediate effort and grace in your life? How do you slow down when you're going too fast? When you're going to, you know, when you're going too slow, how do you rev up the engine? So I'm having these like really practical conversations. So that's kind of where my mind has been. I'm curious to see, like, do you relate? Do you, what are your thoughts on this idea of embodiment and disembodied practices? Are they happening? All this stuff. Yeah. So I do think that it's a progression. And I think that sometimes it's like you said, you've been practicing for 14 years and um, teaching for a decade. And I do think that with the pace and the state of the world, a lot of people, at least where I'm at right now, come to the studio to check out because they're checked in in a very different way. And I think it's important to know, like being checked into your phone or checked into work or checked into your family doesn't necessarily mean that you're checked into yourself. Right. But sometimes there's no more bandwidth to be checked in or to analyze or to participate and that people just need to come lay down and just check out. And like many things about the practice, I do think that that is the entry door for most people. Physical practice. Yes. 
well, the, the physical practice and also this idea that like, you're just going to flow and release and not think about anything for an hour and that yeah. you're going to leave feeling almost like washed out reset. I see that a lot. And I am in a very different space in terms of like the people that come through the doors of the studio compared to like what I was seeing in ocean city, what I'm seeing in South beach is just the world of a difference. And I think that in order to create an embodied practice for those people or for them to crave that or to even understand it, it takes a lot more work from the teachers and that it is not something that is frequently offered. Right. And it's, it's good to mention, believe it or not, there's not a lot of personal benefit to be gained from letting go. So it is a nice release and it's good for, it's like good for your neurology, right? It's like you're overstimulated. This hour is so wonderful. Like to prepare you to deal with life. Like I loved a a book I was reading um, on the koshas talked about vipassanas, which are silent retreats and how unhelpful they actually are. And I really loved it. And when I taught the koshas at a teacher training recently, I loved it because what the author is saying, I think it's Christopher Sartain. He was saying like, yes, you can be like Jared Leto and go on a Vipassana like once a year. But guess what? At the end of the day, you don't live in a mountain with no people. You live in a society where you're constantly interacting with people. So wouldn't it be more beneficial to learn tools of how to deal with those people? or how to deal with your own emotion. So I think it's not like a bad thing. I definitely check out as well. I think there's probably just more benefit personally, like when you get to that point, like you said, it's probably later in the practice to have embodied practices because embodied, you know. Yeah, it's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a willingness to do that. And also a realization that yoga is not the place to check out because we check out in so many other ways. We'll go beyond the mat. How do people check out? So many ways, so many unhealthy ways. Right. Of like numbing or not feeling anything or not being present. I don't need to go in details. You guys know what I mean. Like there's just so many things that we do to check out. Addiction, we can say of any kind. Mm -hmm. And yoga is actually the opposite of that. You know, it should be a place where you check in. And that's something that I say in my classes all the time. If any of the students are listening, when I give a moment of pause, like in between a section of the class or or the other, I always go in these moments of pause, you're invited to check in and not check out. And it's even saying things like breathe, which I think you do. I do in a class reminding people to breathe. That's actually an embodied practice. Like we're, I'm not talking about big concepts here. Like what you said for people to come into themselves, I'm not saying they have to have a conscious dialogue with themselves, but just be with yourself. That is actually embodiment. It's like, be with this moment, be here in this room, you know, like use your senses. Those can be acts of, I think, embodiment, you know? Yeah. And there's super great tools for for daily life like you were talking about. And it will translate outside of the room into how you act. Like if you're more present and embodied in your interactions with people, there's a good chance that you'll have better interactions, that you'll 
feel more connected. And when we move from a place of connection and authenticity, we tend to get more contentment out of the experiences that we have. I love to let go by running on the treadmill and listening to 1989, the deluxe version. That's a great way for me to let go. Yoga is just a moving meditation for me right now. And I'm so happy that that's what it is for me. And it's a way of life. So that's kind of where I've been moving towards and what's been on my mind. Um, Is there anything you want to add before you go into what kind of popped into yours? No, I would say I agree with you when you relate to like the the treadmill thing. Like I joined a swim team down here and (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Synchronized swimming. No, come (laughs) on. You know me better than that. I've always uh, swim like racing and um, they've been asking me if I wanted to compete. And I was like, no, 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 I'm here for my mental health. And for some people, a lot of times they're like, oh my gosh, swimming is so boring. You're just looking at the bottom of the pool and going back and forth, going back and forth. And to me, it's like the ultimate check out. Like that is not a place where I am, like I am completely gone. I just go, you know what I mean? And so I use that as a chance to, I feel like it's a healthier way than Netflix, (laughs) you know, because I get to move my body. I get to be outside. South Florida is lovely for that because you get to swim outside all year long. But um, yoga is not a place where I do that. And so you learn how to pick and choose because there's a richness to the yoga experience that's backing that. Whereas like swimming, you could make it that, but I choose to make that my disembodied experience. So yeah, I can and, relate. I, and we need like tools and techniques to help us navigate life. So breath exercises, a good yoga class, you know, journaling, a therapist, those are all great tools and techniques of, of right. embodiment, you know? And then yeah. with all of my changes, it's been such a a crazy, crazy time for me in my life. And I'm curious to see how I will feel when I look back because I know how I feel when I'm in it and I'm very interested to connect the dots looking back and being like oh yeah of course but right now it doesn't feel so clear right and do you know the best gift real quick of one of the most bitter and best gifts you'll have though when you um when I talk clients what hindsight yeah we hate it, but we learn so much. So yeah, I love yeah. that. And so if you know anything about me, you know that I love a good plan. <laughs> and- <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that I'm very organized, right? Yes. And that there is not a lot in my life that tends to be left to luck or whatever happens, happens. I I like to know where I'm going and I try to be fluid in my interactions with the world because I know that typically when you have a plan, it doesn't go on par for the course, but it can go along those lines and you have to be fluid enough to accommodate for the changes that come along. But the concept that pertains to yoga that's been on my mind a lot is this idea of surrendering. Um, and that comes about in the Niyamas. It's uh, this idea of surrender. And also it comes at the end of every class with, with Shavasana, right? So it's something that's very present in the philosophy, but also in the physical practice and 
kind of coming to that realization that whatever you need to learn or you need to be presented with in your life, that will come to you regardless of what you do. And I remember a year ago, I was um, in teacher training in Germany, actually, at this time. And I did uh, an astrology reading with one of the teachers. His name is Das. And he's just the most amazing human, um, super great astrologer. And we spent like two hours together. And towards the end, I was trying to ask for very clear advice, which he was unwilling to give me. And I found that interesting. And And that's a good astrologer, by the way. Yeah. He said, that's not what I do. He's like, I don't, this is not what I do. And he was very kind of steady in his, in the stance that he was taking on the fact that he wasn't going to tell me what to do. And he looked at me and he said, whether you choose this route or that route, it does not matter. And I remember sitting across from him with tears coming down my eyes, like on my cheek and being like, what do you mean? And he was like, whatever you choose, it doesn't matter. You will learn what you need to learn regardless. And I was like, what are you talking about? These are such big, like life decisions. You know what I mean? And he kind of like shrugged his shoulders and he was like, well, and I don't think that I understood it then. And I think that I'm starting to understand it now um yeah and surrender you know i always tell people surrender doesn't mean you give up it means you give in mm-hmm. which i just love like like the path is there and, and uh, you know people come to therapy when i chat with them and they're always like trying to discover meaning in their life right like that's like what's my purpose what's my meaning and what i tell them is i really am not going to help you figure that out But as long as we can get you on the pursuit of meaning, meaning will show up along the way. All you have to do is you have to be willing to take a path, though. You have to be willing to choose right or left. And meaning will happen as you're on that path. It was interesting because when Emmanuel kind of mentioned this concept of surrender and the willingness to just be on the path, I was telling her beforehand that... Have you, have you heard of the, it's a really brief myth of, of um, Sisyphus is this guy who cheats death twice and the gods do not like that at all because hello, you don't do that. They're pissed off. So they curse him for eternity to, to push a rock up a mountain only to have it roll back down every time he reaches the top. <laughs> and uh, it's a really lovely myth because it's not only just about the absurdities of life, It's also about um, finding um, Sisyphus happiness, which is you have to be willing to push the rock up the mountain. You have to be willing to be on the pursuit of meaning, even if you don't know what that meaning is, Um, which I think is kind of surrender. I mean, to me, you got to be willing to get going, even though you don't quite know where you're going. That kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. And you got it. You can be, and you can be afraid, right? And still do it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Most of the time, it's terrifying to get started. Yeah. Oh, it's so scary. <laughs> it doesn't, and it's funny because then, like, we practice, we make changes, we explore ourselves, and then we get into a situation where there's kind of a a new opportunity or a start or something like that, and then we think, oh, we've done it so many times, it's going to be easier. And every time, I'm like, what? <laughs> And you know what? It's so, I know it just shows up like all the time, 
but I try to still do those things, even though I'm afraid, you know, like traveling sometimes for me is so scary, but I, I do more of it. Like you should, whatever you resist, you should really consider trying. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. You know, there's so much to, there's so much to gain from resistance. And if we bring it back to to pop culture, I was watching this movie. I got a little, I got a little virus this week, and I don't watch a lot of TV. But none of the was, popular ones, right? <laughs> no, it was a very unpopular. Okay. Caught virus. at a a waiting room in a car dealership when I waited for like three and a half hours for an oil change. So highly don't recommend that. But anyways, um. I was watching this really cheesy movie on Netflix. It's called Look Both Ways. And it starts with a girl at a a party and she has sex with her friend. And they kind of are saying like, what could go wrong? Like, this is going to be fine. What could happen? And there's two storylines that happen in a parallel where in the one story, she does get pregnant and she has to move back with her parents and she does not go to college. And then in the other storyline, she does not get pregnant. She moves to LA. She starts to work in animation. She meets this guy. And so we see her go through two completely different life paths, right? And ultimately along the way, learning the exact same lessons and ended up in the same spot. Hmm. And that was so poignant to me. It was just such a a reminder. And that's kind of how in bed watching this movie on Netflix, I was like, this is what I'm going to choose to talk about because it's so relevant. And sometimes we think that if we make a wrong decision, then we're going to miss out and we're not going to get what's intended for us. And ultimately what we need to remember is that there are no wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. No. And I love what you just said there because I, that movie is depicting too is the age-old debate of like destiny and choice and basically what it's saying is your destiny is your destiny but in those two timelines that woman made lots of different choices but Mm -hmm. guess what and that means the experience may be a little different but the end result is not it's the same yeah Uh, which i love because it's a paradox but there's so much choice you still have within your destiny so i want people to also remember like surrender isn't like okay, I'm just going to like passively do whatever. Like it's still, you're an active participant, but there's a sense of what's going to happen is going to happen. You have to participate. You have to engage and you have to make those choices. No one goes through life without making any choices, but it's saying sometimes there's a lot of pressure or if maybe I'm just like a type A person, but like there's a lot of pressure made on every choice. And if it's not the right choice, then it's going to ruin the rest of my life or I'm not going to get, again, what's intended for me or I'm not going to find purpose or happiness or fulfillment. And that ultimately, the only thing that we can do is look at the moment that's at hand make the best decision that we can with the information that we have and then surrender more to the outcome, right? Be like, be present with it and know that even though it's not what we were expecting or hoping for, and sometimes it is, and it's great. Mm -hmm. We, we can find peace and contentment with it within that too. And that whatever is happening is what was Mm -hmm. meant for us. And every experience is an experience. And I I read somewhere that the only mistake you'll ever make is the one you don't learn from. That's good. I I like that. Yeah. Like, like, and and you should have tons of experiences, even if they're bad ones, like don't go into it thinking it's a bad one, but like, 
you know, be willing to surrender to it and see what you learn. Exactly. There's always something to be learned, even from things that don't go the way that you were expecting or hoping for. So, um, yeah, so that was mine. And I think those are pretty, those are pretty cool things to to talk about. And totally ones we could probably have even talked so much longer, but you know, guys, we only have so much time here. I know. Right. We gotta, we gotta let you go and carry on with your lives and hopefully, um, you'll tune back in next week. So we have decided to keep the Thursday uh, publishing episode date. So you can expect us every Thursday, unless we have uh, technical difficulties. So hopefully that's not the case, but um, yeah, we'll be here. All right, guys. Bye. Have a great week. Bye.